Welcome back. Joining me for a look at the equity scene is Simon Brown from Just One Lab. Simon, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, most global stocks ended off August on a sour note as um, sentiment did kind of dip. What are your expectations for August as we head into the last month of the third quarter, especially as we have more prospects of even tighter monetary policy? I, I think that's what we're going to be watching most closely. Uh, what are we seeing from the Federal Reserve? What does it, August inflation come out looking like? Um, and, 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 you know, as Jerome Powell and, in fact, our own governor keep on saying, they will be data dependent. If we look at U.S. indices, notwithstanding not the best uh, August, they've had a spectacular year. You can't be complaining with that. Even Europe's done really well. Uh, locally, our, our indices are, are not firing on all cylinders. We got two all-time highs beginning of the year. We've pulled back from there, but it is going to be inflation. It is going to be rates. That that remains the story. The, the fears of a recession, uh, either in, in, in the U.S., that seems to have abated for now. Certainly, uh, China is not going to get into a recession, and uh, some of the European economies have already dipped in for a short periods. Germany, for example, although they've managed to just squeak their way out. Now, inflation, one print that the Fed will keep its eye on. We also have that all-important non-farm payrolls data coming out today. We know that that U.S. job um, market is quite tight. So surely that also just adds even more pressure. It absolutely does. And in fact, if we go back a year or so ago, Jerome Powell said, you know what, part of all of this raising rates to fight inflation, it's going to create weakness in the job market. Here we are fast forward a year later, there is no weakness. In fact, what we have been seeing is actually uh, some inflationary pressure, wages essentially climbing, which we haven't seen in the US and certainly not at the levels we see now. We've had some 5% year on year increases. That is significant. And that does create a bit of a dilemma for Powell. In the one sense, it's great that there isn't labor market weakness. But if you couple with the fact that most 30-year mortgages in the U.S. are at fixed rates, so the vast majority of people who've got a home loan haven't seen their monthly repayments go up, whereas in South Africa, MPC raises rates. Next day, the bank raises your, your home loan. Mm. We haven't seen that sort of pressure. So Americans are buoyant. Uh, if they don't like their job or lose their job, they're very confident, and rightly so, of being able to get another one fairly quickly. And that does keep some spending pressure on inflation, which I think which why the Federal Reserve is, is continuing to remain very hawkish and say, you know, we're going to be data dependent. We haven't taken more rate hikes off the table. Notwithstanding, the Fraud's uh, futures market, they're looking at, at, at rate cuts in the U.S. As, I mean, as soon as second quarter of next year. And I can't see that happening. Let's move over to emerging markets. Now, they've also had a tough time this month. China has been the, um, um, quite, quite important in that um, market. We've had a weak economy as well as a, uh, an ailing property market hitting Chinese equities. What's your sentiment around Chinese stocks in general? China, in China's disappointed this year. The, the, the expectation this year was a U.S. recession and a resurgent China mm -hmm. after Xi Jinping got his third term uh, and, and it effectively ended the, the zero COVID policy uh, sort of October, November of last year. But we absolutely haven't seen it. And it kicked off with a, an April data point, which was uh, exports year on year were down minus 7.5%. And we've just seen continual weak data out of China. We saw some uh, deflation rather than inflation 
inflation for, for July, and we're getting fairly continual stream of that coming through. And I think the average Chinese citizen is is alarmed. I mean, property prices is how they value their, their net worth, and mm. they bought a place, a development, quite possibly it hasn't been built yet. It has been built, but the one next to you, unsold, is going down. And this all puts pressure onto the, the stock market. The Chinese citizens aren't confident enough to go and be buying into the stock market. We have seen regulators, for example, uh, effective at this week, they, they halved stamp duty, effective next Friday. They're going to be cutting the, the margin requirement on equities from 100 to 80%. They requested that collective investment schemes don't sell and a request in China is not something that you ignore. So they're trying to keep that that that, that equity market booming. Mm. But so far, the equity market and China more generally as an economy, they're struggling. Right. I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like analysts and investors have overestimated that Chinese recovery. Am I wrong? No, you're 100% right. I mean, certainly there was an over-expectation around it. But there's a lot... It, within the Chinese economy, that that is hurting. I mean, if we look at, for example, the Evergrande and the other property developers, they were a major source of income for the 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 sort of the city councils around China because they would go in and and buy large swaths of land. Uh, their city councils would get paid for that. Then, of course, they build developments. That's rates and the like, and that is effectively ground to a halt. It has just stopped happening, which means right at the ground level, uh, we've got uh, weakness in in, in the council they haven't got the revenue that they'd hoped and that pretty much goes all the way through interestingly Chinese government is often a lot more proactive a lot more sort of fiddling in the market to try and juice returns and what they've what we've seen them doing so far is not that significant and of course what we haven't mentioned yet is is giant debt within within China within the government across all the different levels right up from state down to the the local municipalities and that debt is is is, is worrisome particularly without the revenue on the other side. Now, let's bring it back home. PMI data from APSA was out today. Um, it shows that factory con- um, activity remains at a contractionary uh, level. What have you made of that data and what it suggests for economic growth in South Africa? Yeah, so it, it did tick up, but to your point, it was below 50, it was 49.1. That is you know, clearly a, a contractionary, which we've been in for yeah, years now. We got the, the post-pandemic bounce, but since then we've been stuck. And it, 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 it bodes poorly, to be honest. And there's a couple of reasons. Partly, a lot of manufacturing, obviously, is uh, vehicles, and that is still going along. That's for export. But then it's mining, and we've seen mines under pressure with commodity prices under pressure. Uh, of course, load shedding doesn't help, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if you're heavy manufacturing. You, you can't use uh, uh, solar. You need generators. They're expensive to run. They make you uncompetitive. So it is indicating a an economy which is frankly struggling and fr- will struggle to get to, what, 1% GDP this year. If we contrast that with India, targeting 7.3, China downgraded, but downgraded to you know, 4, 4.5% GDP for the year. Now let's get into some company news. Pan-African Resources is out of the trading update, warning of a decline in um, full-year earnings. And this despite that high gold price. What have you made of that update in particular? 
Yeah, so they had two moving parts in the gold price. One is a weaker end that helped. Gold is elevated, but it's off those plus 2,000 levels that they had during the corresponding period, which ultimately means that their rand gold price is pretty much flat. And then it comes down to you know, what are their cost pressures. And as much as we're experiencing inflation in our day-to-day lives, uh, so are corporates. So mm-hmm. their costs were up, and that's what's taken them under pressure and seen them actually still profit-making, absolutely making money. However, the 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 the, the, the heps is going to be down on what it was a year ago about a fifth or or, or about a quarter it, it's a tough space in, a, in as a single commodity miner right now we've seen it with the platinum groups we've seen it with the, the gold miners that the heydays of the 2021 and to a degree 2022 prices are definitely for now behind us yes and i know your stock pick is not in the mining sector what is your pick for the day no, Calgary M3, uh, they build housing. They can do low-cost, mid-cost, high-cost housing. They, 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 all, they had a, a near-death experience. Uh, Vikas Latakhan, CEO, would tell you they were almost bankrupt. They've pulled it around. Uh, it's run in the last week or two, uh, trading around 440 or so, but it's still in a price earnings of around three times, uh, excluding the net as the land. They own net asset value of probably around five times. And what I like about them is their flexibility. As times are tougher, they can sort of build lower income houses targeting a, a different group, particularly those with government uh, subsidies. And they are just a stock which is incredibly cheap, notwithstanding. It's a tough space to be operating and uh, they're doing it incredibly well that's one to definitely look out for thanks so much for joining us today that was simon brown from just one lap